I know you have heard this before. Work smarter, not harder. Ford has heard it too. That's why the Ford F-150 truck helps you get the job done in the smartest way possible. I mean, the pro-access tailgate alone is a game changer. It improves access to the bed and cargo, which makes it easier to load in tight spaces. See? Smarter. It's also got a mobile power source and pro power on board, so you can power up to 7.2 kilowatts outside your F-150 truck. That is definitely working smarter. And imagine what you can do with that power at your next tailgate party. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Find your local Ford dealer at Ford.com. Pro access tailgate available starting spring 2024. See owner's manual for important operating instructions. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Today I settle all family business. The following program is a PodcastOne.com production. He's a world champion wrestler, best-selling author, actor, and lead singer of Fozzie. You can act like a man, but I'm not Now, now, he's rocking the podcast world. Now take me to jail. This, this, this is Talk is Jericho. Talk is Jericho. Starring Chris Jericho. Welcome to Talk is Jericho, the part of thunder, rock and roll. The spell you run has been broken by Chris Jericho, and it's Friday. It's The People's Podcast has arrived. The remedy for boredom is here. Let's go for a ride. He's the man called Sting. The man called Sting. He's the man called Sting. Man called Sting. He's the man called Hugh Morris. And he's singing on the chorus. Woo, yeah. A man called Sting. The famous, famous intro music from WCW Days written by Jimmy Hart. Sting is now in the WWE. And what an amazing, amazing night that was. One of those moments that you uh, only see every once in a while in, in, in wrestling. So cool to finally see Sting in the WWE ring and just see how big of a star he became in one night. Ten years in TNA, you know, meant what he meant, and suddenly he comes to the WWE, walks in the ring, has a three-minute stare down with Triple H, and suddenly he's the hottest guy in the business. I love it. So I love about wrestling. You just never know what you're going to get. Very, very cool. And you never know what you're going to get here on Talk is Jericho. I've got the best... Uh, diversity of guests, the best variety of guests. And today, very interesting girl, uh, woman, lady, chick came to my attention. The star of Mob Wives, VH1's uh, award-winning, super huge hit TV show about wives of uh, ladies whose husbands are in the mob. And Renee Graziano is coming up, and she's got a whole lot of tales to tell about what life in the mob is really like. She's a mob daughter. Grew up with Anthony Graziano as her father. We talk about when she discovered that her dad and her life were a little different than most people. She also remembers the first time her dad went to prison. And she talks all about her now ex-husband, Hector Jr. Pagan, who's serving an 11-year prison sentence. She had no idea he was a hitman when they first got married. What exactly is a hitman? It ain't Bret Hart, I'll tell you that. We'll figure that all out. She's a tough lady, survived a lot, including domestic violence and an attempt on her life. An assassination attempt on Renee. So many weird, crazy, over-the-top, fantastic stories. A crazy real-life look inside a mob family. And believe me, Renee holds nothing back, as you can imagine. But before we talk to Renee, you know what I have to do here. I have to say thanks to you for using my links every time you shop at Amazon. Easiest way to support the show. Every time you use one of my Amazon links, Amazon kicks back a couple bucks to the show. Help us cover production costs. I got links for Amazon USA, Amazon UK, Amazon Canada A. Just go to podcastone.com. Click on the Keep Our Podcast Free banner at the top of the page. Then hit the Talk is Jericho button. You get all kinds of cool stuff on Amazon. For instance, the new Fazio record, Do You Want to Start a War? Featuring the title track, Do You Want to Start 
Star Wars. Go check out the video for that right now with Playboy Playmate of the Year, Irona Veronina. She's amazing in it. Dancing Chicks, great song, very, very cool. YouTube it now, Do You Want to Start a War? You can also get my new book, The Best in the World at What? I Have No Idea. Uh, last week had Rory Fox on the show to discuss the exploding tights incident, the famous exploding tights incident of 2008 in Rockford, Illinois. Crazy story. Go read about it and then go back and listen to it. He was on the Seth Rollins show, which was also amazing. You might also want to get a copy of Renee Graziano's cookbook, How to Use a Meat Cleaver. Wow, great title. Uh, I think she probably knows how to use it in many different ways. And the truth about using my Amazon links, listen, you can buy whatever you want. You want to buy a big screen TV, you want to buy a lamp, you want to buy you know, a computer, whatever. Buy what you want, but it won't cost you anything extra. No hidden fees or charges. If you happen to be doing some Amazon shopping, you can help out this show in the process. Easiest way to get your holiday shopping done. I'm just telling you, this is the way to go. Go to podcastone.com. Click on the Keep Our Podcast free banner at the top of the page. Then hit the Talk is Jericho button. You bookmark it so you can get to these links in one easy click. All right. Talking to you in the midst of the Cinder Block Party with Texas Hippie Coalition Shaman's Harvest. Rolling through the states. We're in Joplin, Missouri tonight. It's the night after Thanksgiving. They call it Black Friday? No, not now. It's Foz Friday in Joplin. This show is off the charts. It's almost sold out. Get your tickets now. Also doing great business in Lubbock, Texas on Saturday. Dallas at Trees on Sunday. Tuesday, December 2nd, we're playing 210 Capones live in San Antonio, Tejas. On December 3rd, we're heading over to Houston. December 4th, we're in New Orleans. Uh, New Orleans. December 5th, Destin, Florida, Club LA. December 6th, Aqua in the Rock Bar Room, Jacksonville. December 7th, Cape Coral, Florida, Dixie's Roadhouse. December 9th, we're heading over to Gainesville. December 10th, we're in Fort Lauderdale. December 11th, the House of Blues, Lake Buena Vista. And the last night of this leg of the tour, December 12th in Tampa at the State Theater. Go to FozzyRock.com for all ticket information. Don't miss this tour. It's the one everyone's talking about. We are having so much fun. People are running, jumping, screaming, chanting Fozzy, yelling, hey, 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 one, two, three, drinking beers, showing their tits. That's the guys and the girls, whatever. We're having a blast, and we're taking the center block party world tour over to the england ireland scotland germany switzerland france that starts march 4th we're going out with the dirty youth one of the hottest up-and-coming bands in england today we're starting in belfast ireland heading to cork dublin hitting the rest of the uk manchester glasgow london bristol exeter brighton southampton once again if you, if you live in any of those towns we're going to brocham germany Mannheim, munich is in there paris so many great cities, I didn't even list them all. Go to FozzyRock.com for tickets to the shows and VIP tickets to one of the greatest VIP experiences you'll ever have. You will not be disappointed if you do this package. All right, we got Mob Wives star Renee Graziano coming up, but I want to tell the story about Brazil, the Brazilian flag-kicking incident. So I've only been to Brazil one time with the WWE. We went to Sao Paulo, Brazil, and um, loved the country. It was kind of a weird story because... We were supposed to get in the night before. There was a problem with the plane, so we were stuck kind of overnight. Um, I believe it was in Washington, D.C., whatever. So we flew into to Brazil and didn't get into Sao Paulo in probably until about, I think, 2 or 3 in the afternoon. Went and dropped off our stuff at the hotel. Or maybe we didn't even have a hotel. I don't remember. We might have just went straight to the venue. And um, it was our first show, I believe, ever that the WWE had ever had in, in Brazil. And it wasn't a great crowd, maybe half of a house. And the crowd was, you know, not super crazy, but they were kind of watching it and digging it and see, seeing what this WWE stuff was all about. Um, the Brazilian army were the security for the show. And these guys carry around guns. They're all standing there with rifles and, you know, submachine guns and all that other stuff. Stuff that you kind of see sometimes in some of the third world countries. I guess Brazil would be a third world country or close to it. So we were having the match. Uh, it was CM Punk and I in the main event working on top. People hanging from the rafters. Tell them who. It uh, wasn't exactly hanging from the rafters, but the people that were there were, were excited. We come to the ring. Uh, Punk gets introduced. He's the, he's the good guy. I'm the bad guy. And somebody throws a Brazilian flag into the ring. So Punk grabs it and kind of takes it and parades it around, waves the flag. People cheer. And he puts it on the turnbuckle. Referee Mike Chioda. Uh, goes to take the flag out of the ring, and I stop and I go, no, 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 Mikey, come here. Let me have that flag. I pick the flag up, I wave it in the air, I drop it on the ground, I step on it, I kick it. Took about three seconds. And I was expecting to elicit this crazy riot uh, from the fans in attendance. 
didn't really do that. Got a little bit of a reaction, but it was nothing, nothing special, nothing over the top, nothing extraordinary. Um, so I figured, well, okay, the crowd's kind of dead, whatever. So I start working the match, and Punk had just finished his shine, and I'm just starting to get the heat on him. I'd gotten I'd done the heat spot, so he's selling for me. And I'm in the corner beating him down, and I see a guy behind me extra close. And I turn, and it's a referee, but it's not Kyoto. It's Charles Robinson. Charles had come into the ring. I'm like, what the hell's going on? Like, why is, why is Charles in here? Did somebody get hurt? Or, and he goes, you have to apologize. I'm like, what? He goes, you have to apologize for kicking the flag. I'm like, F that. Get out of here. He goes, I'm serious. I'm like, get out of here. Go away. And I look, and I see John Laurinaitis running down to the ring. And he's the, the producer of the match, you know, the agent of the show, the guy who's in charge of this road show. And he goes, seriously, Chris, you have to apologize. This is real. This is serious business. You have to apologize for kicking the flag or they're going to arrest you. I was like, oh, no, here we go. This is serious. So it's almost like Wayne's World. I, I, I take Punk in the corner. I'm like, you know, just sell. Just stay there. You know, car. Here comes the car. Stop the match. And um, I grab the microphone and I go and I say, hey, listen, um, I just want to say I apologize to anybody I offended tonight for kicking this flag. I did not do it maliciously. I did it as part of the show. I did it to entertain you. I would never uh, do something to insult or disrespect the fine people of Brazil. We love your country. We love your flag. And uh, I hope you can forgive me and I uh, hope you enjoy the show. And the people are kind of lightly clapping, but I almost got the sense they're like, what is this guy talking about? Like, just can we have a wrestling match, please? Can you get back to the show? So I go back in the corner and it's like, game on. And, you know, we have to start from scratch, build the match back up again. And we, we did. It was nothing special, though. The vibe had been lost. Punk beats me and then grabs the flag and runs around with it. You know, and that's what we wanted to do. Good guy grabs flag, puts it over. Bad guy insults it. Good guy wins in the end, grabs flag and runs around. And everybody's happy. You know, the, the new son of Brazil. So I walk back through the curtain and I go. And it's one of those things where no one's really looking at me. Everyone's kind of looking at the ground and looking the other way. And I see a couple of these soldiers on the other side. And there's one gray-haired guy just staring me down, like just really bad. So I go over to Dean Malenko, who was another of the uh, producers of the show. And I'm like, what's going on, man? And he said, that guy over there, he's a colonel in the Brazilian army. And he, he thinks wrestling is real. He wanted to walk to the ring and arrest you on the spot when you kick the flag. Like, screw the match. Just wanted to come in and arrest you. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, so I would have been taken directly to a Brazilian jail wearing like brief underwear with sparkles on it, you know, like little small little tights with sparkles and rhinestones. Like, can you imagine being in the jail in the jungle with that? Like instant ladyboy, right? So I'm like, well, thankfully they didn't. And he said, yeah, we were able to talk him into just accepting an apology, but he hasn't accepted it. He's very mad at you. And, uh, you know, he wants, he still wants to arrest you. You know, we, we probably should get out of here sooner than later. And I'm like, should I go talk to the guy? They're like, no, just stay away from him. So I decided to text Vince. I'm like, hey, Vince, I just want you to let you know. I kicked a flag in Brazil. Um, Army's mad at me. I apologize in the ring. I think it's okay. Note to self, next time I come to Brazil, no more kicking of the flag. Vince texts me back a few minutes later. You know, you won't be going back to Brazil. You know, how could you do this? You idiot. Like, you know, how how long has it been since I've allowed that sort of wrestling bull? And I'm like, like, you know, I kick flags all the time. It's just something that heels do. He goes, no, not on my watch. That's 80s bullshit. He goes, go home, Chris. You're suspended. We'll talk about this when you get back to the States. You're suspended. I'm like, what? Suspended? For what? And he's like, yeah, and, and on top of that, you know, we can't come back to Brazil anymore. You know, what the hell's going on? I'm trying to build this company. Why would you do that? You really screwed me over. So now I'm feeling, like, pretty angry myself as if I wasn't an angry enough already and i go over to one of the market reps from from the w i said hey are we not allowed to come back to brazil and the guy said what are you talking about i said are we not allowed to come back to brazil he goes not that i know i haven't heard that i'm like okay so vince is exaggerating and um i call him i call vince i'm like hey like what's going on why would you do this he's like i don't want to talk to him I'm so angry at you you know it's 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 minor league bull that you've done you know you've kicked this flag and now and now you know our whole relations are spoiled you're suspended go back to the states and we'll talk about how long it's going to be when you get back and i was supposed to have a pay-per-view match against randy orton in like two weeks and i thought okay well maybe i'll just go for like a week you know a week suspension two weeks suspension i'll still be able to do the pay-per-view match and everything's fine so they rush me out of the building we get a police escort to the airport and we're in the gate kind of waiting around to go. We finally start boarding the plane because what happened was the rest of the crew was going to Quito, Ecuador. I couldn't catch a flight. 
from Brazil. Plus, they wanted me out of Brazil to the next uh, till the next day, and they wanted me out of Brazil. So they said, I'll take the charter with the rest of the group. We'll land in Quito. I'll fly out from Ecuador once again the next night. I'd wait a full basically 24 hours. So everyone's getting onto the plane, and I'm walking on the plane, and then this cop stops me and goes, hey, come with me. I go, oh, my gosh, like, what's going to happen? He takes me back out into the gate, and he goes, can I take a picture with you? I was like, yeah, I guess. So all the cops want to take a picture with Jericho, take a shot, get back on the plane. We start going on the runway, and then you know Vince is giving me updates. So then I go uh, on the website, or I get a text that, that it's up on the website now, that Chris Jericho has been suspended indefinitely for denigrating the Brazilian flag. And I'm like, denigrating? That's such a Vince word. Like He obviously wrote this press release and put it up online. I'm like, why did you put it up online? He's like, well, because people need to know about it. I'm like, they wouldn't have known about it. They, he goes, no, there's cell phones, and people would be filming it and be all over the internet. I'm like, yeah, but if you don't acknowledge it, then it's not a big deal. He goes, no, I have to acknowledge it. He goes, uh, you know, people need to know this, that if they, if we come into their country and insult them, that I'm, it's no tolerance. I will make sure that whoever the you know guilty party is, is punished. And now I can kind of understand that. You know, he, he wants to protect his business, you know, and, and I had insulted the country and found out that kicking a flag in Brazil is a felony, which I wish someone would have told me yesterday before I kicked it. Obviously never would have done that. Uh, my friend Andreas Kisser from, from the Brazilian metal band Sepultura said that th- their singer was put in jail once for kicking a Brazilian flag, and they're from Brazil, so what chance did I have? So Vince is still texting me back and forth, and he's like, oh, by the way, TMZ just picked it up. And I said, of course they did, because you put it up on your website. It's like you're becoming a self-fulfilling prophecy. You want people to know about this, and, and they're finding out. It's like, it's not a self-fulfilling prophecy. And he goes, I'm like, you should have had my back on this. He goes, listen, I have your back. I want you to get out of Brazil don't give your passport to anybody. Get out of the country before they arrest you. I want to. I want to. I want to protect you through this. So we finally get on the plane. Wheels come up, and I'm like, I'm taking off. You know, thanks for caring. He's like, you know, I love you, you big dummy. And ACDC is still the the best band, is what he says, because <laughs> he loves ACDC. He knows I do too. So I land in Quito, Ecuador. You know, probably four or five in the morning. Go to sleep. Wake up at about noon. I got a bunch of texts on my phone that I was suspended from the WWE for thirty days. Once again, the, the WWE.com website posted the news about my future before I even knew about it, and I was furious. And Vince texts me, he's like, are we having fun yet? Give me a call when you wake up. I'm like, screw that. I am not calling this guy. I'm like, no. You're going to put it up on the website twice and not tell me? And also, I find out now I'm suspended for 30 days? Like, what does that even mean? With pay, without pay? Like, what's going to happen? I'm so mad at him. I have to wait the whole day in Quito, Ecuador, like kind of the the the, the pariah you know like the ex- exiled child you know the the, the 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 disgraced child with nowhere to go and the rest of the gang goes to the show and i gotta stay in the hotel once again police escort to the airport get on the plane i'm walking down the jetway and you know there's that side set of stairs where they take a uh, check on bags if, if the if the plane is too full well the guy goes here give me your passport i'm like what he goes give me your passport I'm like I, what am i supposed to do say no you know, I've already I've already scanned my boarding pass, so I'm in limbo in between gate and and plane. The guy takes my passport. I got to walk down these steps and walk across the tarmac of the airport. When have you ever done that? I'm on the runway now, and I'm thinking like this is crazy. The guy's got my passport. I'm walking across the runway. They could just like shoot me, and no one would ever know what happened to me. Well, he boarded the plane, but he's not on the plane. Where'd he go? So it turns out I got to go across the 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 tarmac to another hangar where they're looking through my bag to make sure I don't have any ill-gotten booty or contraband or whatever. They look through the bag, see there's nothing in there, walk me back across the tarmac, walk me back onto the plane, give me my passport back, sit on the plane, finally take off. I'm out of this crazy South American jungle, flying back home. Super scared, man, the whole time until I landed, finally got through customs and uh, found out I was suspended for, for a month, like I said, the, the day before. And I was so furious. And the first three or four days, I was I was so angry. And then the next three and a half weeks, I was like, this is the best time ever. Like, I'm suspended, hang out with my kids. It was pretty much summertime. It was in May, so take them out tubing, hang out with my wife. It was just a great, great time. And, um, you know, Vince kept calling me for about a week and a half, two weeks, and I never called him back. I was so mad. And he finally called me back. He's like, listen, I want to apologize for putting the information up on the Internet. I didn't know that it was being put up. Somebody else did it. They jumped the gun. I'm like, I don't buy that, but this apology is the best I'm going to get. So I finally called Vince, and we figured out you know, what the fine was going to be. He wanted to fine me like a lot of money. We argued about it. Finally got it down to about ten grand. Plus, I still got paid my guarantee. Plus, I never actually got fined the ten grand. 
So, in other words, I got a four-week paid vacation from the WWE for kicking the flag, which, in retrospect, I understand why I was suspended. I didn't like it at the time. I still don't like the fact that I was suspended. I don't need a four-week paid vacation. I need to work. I need to wrestle. I need to whip ass and kick ass in the ring like I always do. And, you know, I didn't do it maliciously, but Vince was like, listen, the flag is very important to them. What if you would have caused a riot? What if people would have got hurt because of your stupid move? And he was right. You know, like I said, I was trying to elicit some kind of a, a crazy response. I did not get the response that I wanted, um, but I insulted an entire country, and I apologize for that. It was not worth it, and I do understand why Vince suspended me and why he had to tell everybody that he suspended me and why he had to tell everybody that he fined me because he needed the other countries, including Brazil, to know that if he ever had somebody to do something so disrespectful again, you would not um, get out of it lightly. And it was a WWE decision that he was doing to protect his company. I get that. I appreciate it. And that is the full story about the flag-kicking incident in Brazil. I want to go back to Brazil. I have no ill will towards the country. I love Brazil. It's a great rock and roll country. We want to play rock in Rio. I want to go back and wrestle there. Uh, so thanks to uh, Obrigado to all my Brazilian um uh, Jericho-holics and Fozzie fanatics out there. I will see you again soon. And that's it. That's the story. Hope you dug it. We got Rene Graziano coming up from Mobwise. All right, there are some seriously talented luchadors in AEW, and not all of them speak English, which can make putting together matches a little challenging sometimes. That's why I signed up for Rosetta Stone. I'm learning Spanish, amigos. Hey, amigas, see? Already learning. Haha, Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program you don't even have to learn Spanish, though, because Rosetta Stone has 25 languages, including French, German, Korean, Arabic, and Polish, and Japanese. That's what I'm going to do next. I spent a lot of time in Japan, and I still work with a lot of Japanese wrestlers at AEW, like Takeshita. So having a better handle on the language will definitely show in the ring. Communication is key. And learning Spanish on Rosetta Stone has been so fun and easy. They've got this true accent feature that gives you feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. Sort of like having a personal trainer for your accent. I'm using the app, but you can also do the lessons on desktop or laptop. I also like that I can download the lessons and do them offline, which is perfect for a plane. I can sit there on a flight and work on my Espanol. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Talk is Jericho listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash Jericho. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash Jericho today. That's rosettastone.com slash Jericho. Do it today. No matter how big a guy might be, Nikki would take him on. You beat Nicky with fists, he comes back with a bat. You beat him with a knife, he comes back with a gun. And if you beat him with a gun, you better kill him. Because he'll keep coming back and back until one of you is dead. Welcome back to Talk is Jericho. Here with me in the studio, mob wife herself, Renee Graziano, is here. How are you doing? I'm wonderful. How are you? Good. I was laughing because I asked, uh, I heard that uh, on your Twitter that you were at the Oscars last night. And I asked you, like, where'd you come from? You're like, oh, I've been here for a couple of days, but I'm, I'm from New York. It's like, it's so obvious you're from New York. You're like, yeah. hello, of course I'm from New York. What do you expect I'm from? I know my voice is, you could pin me out anywhere. I'm like, New York. Yeah, exactly. We're, we're, in, we're in New York. Staten Island. Staten Island. So it's right down in the middle of the city, real New York. Yes, Real absolutely. area. Yep. It's nice when I come to California. It's a very warm reception here. Yeah. Well, I mean, you mentioned, you know, uh, well, first, did you go to the Oscars? No, I, okay. I, I didn't go. I was wondering how that would be. You know, it must be like, Fort Knox to try and get in there, right? Well, my sister is partners with Harvey Weinstein on this project, so there's that door. It's open. Exactly. But it's so extra for all the girl stuff, so I actually uh, spend time with my girlfriend. Mm -hmm. It's fun. Yeah, it is. It is. You know, we watched it and got all glammed up anyway because we had an event. Right. We did parties, but... the Oscars is very, you know. It's ritzy, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I'd blend with this, with this accent. <laughs> did you uh, Did you film anything for the show at the Oscars? No, for no, Mob no. Wives. No, my sister is actually out here. She went to the Oscars okay. last night. So. so I mean, that's something. Mob, Mob Wives has been a pretty big hit for VH1, and it's such a interesting thought process. The behind the scenes look, basically, at the mob. 
I mean, how did you come up with this concept and how did you sell it and how did you get it past, you know, the members of your family? Well, it's actually my sister Jennifer yeah. who created it. Right. And um she was going for a scripted show, but when we had come out when when this was coming out, um, reality TV was so big mm-hmm. and she thought that was a better avenue. Mm-hmm. Um, we definitely went through a hard time at home with our dad. Mm-hmm. Um, he actually didn't talk to us for a couple of years. Right. And, and he obviously he was probably mad because it seems like, you know, in the mafia everything is very much a secret and you don't you don't, you don't rat. What mob? <laughs> yeah. You don't rat. That's yeah, why my ex-husband did that. Um, yeah, I mean, we got a lot of stuff yeah, to talk about here. But, <laughs> you know, be, being a layman, of course, just only knowing about the, the, the mafia from movies and right. Godfather and, and, you know, Goodfellas, it seems like the worst thing you could do is, you know, you'd be a rat. I'll gun you down, you rat. Like, yeah, it is so, the worst thing. So so how did you guys get by that without, you know, getting in trouble, assassinated? Okay. Yeah. Well, we're not telling anything. Okay. What we talk about is, is our own life I speak about my own life mm-hmm. I don't talk about everybody else's because first of all I don't know anything sure. about anyone else and even if I did I wouldn't talk about <laughs> right. it because it's and I think that goes way deeper than coming from a mob background so mm-hmm. to speak that's just um, part of my character mm-hmm. that's just I think it's should be for everybody's character unfortunately it's not yeah, yeah, yeah. you know but um, it was rough we definitely struggled with certain people but when push came to shove and they saw how the show came out, they realized that we're not discussing anything that hasn't been public knowledge. Mm-hmm. And it's really about women, what we go through when our husbands go to jail or fathers. And it was more it's more about that. I mean, now the show is, in my personal opinion, has gotten a little ugly mm-hmm. um, with the women and, and the fights. And what way, just the cattiness or the, the Yeah, oh. it's you know I'm I'm definitely not a fighter, but I have you know, gotten myself into a couple of little um, altercations on the show, which disturbs me because that's not really part of me. Right. Um, but I'm also not a pushover. Uh-huh. So, um, you know, you know, when you push somebody's back against the wall, you can only take so much. And I think for me, that's what had happened. And this season was uh, very disappointing to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really hard for me. Well, if we're going back to talking about your dad, so why was it that your dad didn't talk to you for so long? Because this is not anything he would... Uh, he doesn't have any respect for this. Mm-hmm. And he didn't expect his daughters to speak so freely about their lives. But for me, it was more or less not being able to speak about my life, which made me, very, you know, I suffer from depression. Mm-hmm. So that uh, is a really big part of my life. You know, living this world, living in this world, which you can't talk about, you, you know, it, it's just so complicated and, you know, things that happen to me. I'm a domestic violence survivor. I was unfortunately assault, sexually assaulted. So to living with those secrets um, because you're somebody's daughter and it, it affects mm. them as men, I couldn't take it anymore. So this for me was like a real – it was like a way out. Mm-hmm. And um, I think after – he stopped talking to us because of the show. But then in season two, I had plastic surgery that had gone very terribly wrong. And um, – he, I lost like 6.3 pints of blood. I went through like a lot of trauma and my father, like that was it. He was like, I don't care about this show. My daughters are way more important right. to me. So we, we talk, we are not, we don't talk about the show. That's not a lot. So he had more of an issue with the fact of you kind of putting your entire life out there rather than the fact it was a show about the, the, the family. It was both. A it was both. Because both. You, yeah, it was more for him business. You don't discuss anything. Mm-hmm. And then on top of it to discuss such personal issues, which in you know our world, they really you, it's like they almost they're not allowed to happen. Right. You know, so you have to like brush things under the rug. But for so long when you brush, I'm 44 years old and I've suffered for like 25 years with depression. It's almost like, you know, this is my life now. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm sorry, dad, but you did what you did. I, you know, mm-hmm. this you is my world. Do, right. Exactly. Well, let's talk about, about your, your father and you growing up. I mean, obviously your dad is Anthony Graziano, a crime kingpin. I guess you'd say spent a lot of time in jail for a lot of different... According uh, to the government. According to the government, uh-huh. right, right. In, in their opinion. And, and, <laughs> he has spent a lot of time in jail uh, as a fact, whether that was uh, for for real or not, for, for what he had done or hadn't done. But how was it for you growing up? I mean, you're a little girl. I mean, you know... Everyone's dad, this guy, your friend's dad is a construction worker. This friend's dad is a is a is a doctor. How do you know what your dad even does? What does he explain to you? Um, 
Um, my father had, my father was, was a real working man, went to work. He Mm -hmm. had a trucking company and I used to always go to work with my dad. So I never saw my father do anything wrong. Mm -hmm. And even if he did it, he's my dad, you know, and, and I don't judge my, when a man, and this is how I feel, and this might sound a little ignorant to certain people, but when you leave the house as a man, I don't question you, Mm -hmm. you go to work, you do what you do. And I don't think women really sit there and question nowadays i would question because i know so much but as a kid you don't you don't think to question your father and you are not allowed to question your parents (laughs) so you know you would never do it and i I think i was about uh i was in like fifth or sixth grade when there was an article glued to my desk from those really horrible bullies in school Mm -hmm. and it was about my father getting arrested and that was like Hmm. I went home. I was like, what's this? You know? And he's like, Oh, nothing. Pay no attention. That lies. Uh And I, it was until my dad didn't go away until I was, um, 21 years old. What did, what did he get? What did he go away for for the first time? Yeah. Uh, it was tax evasion. Okay. Um, he was only gone for like two and a half years, Mm -hmm. but it was like, it's sad to say, but it was no big deal. Mm -hmm. You know, not realizing that you're actually doing something wrong. You know, mm-hmm. my father has always pleaded guilty uh, on pleas, so he's admitted to his guilt. You know what I mean? So, you know, it's not like he didn't admit to what he did wrong. He did something wrong. He took his punishment and he went away for it. Um, but he's my dad. And, you know, I'm, right. I'm going to love my father regardless. He never harmed me, my sisters. So that's how I view my father. I'm sure people. Mm-hmm. Have their own opinion, but you know you're entitled to your own opinion. Mm-hmm. Well, everybody's got their own views too. I mean, he's, he's still your dad, no matter what went down. So, right. so you figured out fifth or sixth grade that maybe something is not we exactly different. normal. So you're different, different. right? Did, did, as you get into being a teenager and growing up, did you understand like, okay, we are a mafia family? No, I still didn't. I didn't. Know, I knew I was different. I didn't know to what extent. You know, you said. I could say I've seen movies. That's how I know about this life. It's yeah. not something that's ever discussed in the house. Mm-hmm. And my father is a hard... My father really is a hard working Well, man. yeah, you got to be, you I'm know, sure. You know what I mean? He really went to work. He had many jobs when he was young. So it's not a conversation that you sit down and have. Mm-hmm. Um, now I could turn around and say, okay, now it makes sense why when I walked up to every nightclub or people would open doors, pull out chair, Like, I mean... Men are supposed to do that, but above and beyond. Yeah. Like there was like a hundred people on the line, I would breeze past it. I never paid a dinner check. Things and like that. And not really knowing why. Um, I think when I was about seventeen, eighteen, I kind of really figured it out by just by the way everybody dressed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you'd watch a movie and be like, "Oh, but that's about <laughs> Uncle So and So. Oh, that's my uncle." And then you realize right. what it is. So, what know? do you mean? How everybody dressed? Like, how did guys in the mafia dress? Like suits and <laughs> like ties the all the time. Suits and the ties. They just looked yeah. like. I, I mean, I, I'm sure one of them are listening. Exactly. <laughs> like characters. Yeah. Like it was like cartoonish, and it, I'm not being disrespectful, but they no, were. No. They were, you know, their rings and they're just extra. You yeah. know what I mean? Like how women are today was so fancy. The men were, you know, dressed so sharp and. Uh, I, that was one thing I always loved about my father. He was always dressed so perfectly. Uh, that's, you know, it just was things, little little yeah. clues like that. that now, would that, you ever come home from school and you'd see like Benny the Fish and, you know. Uh, <laughs> Sammy Meatballs. <laughs> yeah, Sammy and, Meatballs. Oh, and, uh, yes, yes. Would yes, you see characters hanging around? Most definitely. You know, it's funny. I had I had a, a wrestler on my show called Bret Hart and his father was a wrestling promoter and he would always come home and, you know, there's Andre the Giant over here and there's, you know, Bull Ramos over here. So was it like that with you? Would come home and you'd see all the different characters yeah there was this guy we were just talking about him the other night he passed away big head uh and then there was like <laughs> we said sammy meatballs like these were real names sammy meatball was a guy it was a real man he passed away um but it it was so funny you just and it was so normal yeah and that's what's crazy is that was normal to me mm-hmm. and you know when people say oh you think you're normal and i'm like yeah i am normal person just because the names were a little sure well you grew up that way yeah when you grew up that way that's just how you are exactly you don't know any differently right no not at all so 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 in the uh, you know in the mafia world so to speak you say you know you're kind of growing up and your, your father goes to prison when he's 21 or whatever did you go to college university are you are are, are you kind of in the mafia and your job is to kind of meet other mafia guys and go on mafia dates to continue the family well I wouldn't know anything about the mafia (laughs) Um, I I just think you know what for me all my friends were children of somebody's father so we had our own clique 
And it wasn't until I was like 30 years old did I even venture, venture out of my own nationality. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just this small world and that's where you stay and these are your friends. And those men just all, you know, they all stayed together. They were all different groups. Yeah. But that's that was their world. That was It was just that's it. Mm-hmm. You weren't allowed outside of that world. Right. So I'm very grateful that that world is gone for me because yeah. there's so much more in life sure. than dating just an Italian guy, uh, Stevie, uh, Sammy Meatball's son from 86th Street with the pinky ring. Yeah, no. <laughs> well, I mean, and, you know, and, and you know, you always see if you watch, you know, Godfather or something like that where, you know, it'll end up the, the violence you'll see in your house or in your area. You would never see that. It was kind of not, or was there ever times where things would happen in, yet you saw? Never in my own home. Ever. Okay. But yeah, I, you saw like on I've, the street or something? I've seen, yeah, being out with, with the guys that I hung out mm-hmm. with were all young growing up in that um, time. And it, it was there. Mm. It was, there was violence. There were shootouts. There was all that. Wow. Crazy, it was that crazy stuff. Shootouts yeah. like right in front of you? Like you'd like we couldn't go to certain places. Well, I never saw anything. But um, <laughs> we'd go to certain places and you knew if there was like some little turmoil within families that there was a chance that something could happen to somebody. I have girlfriends that their dads were murdered. So wow. it did exist. Like we know it exists. Yeah. We, we never saw anybody get killed or anything right, like right, that, right, but right. you do know it exists. It's not, those movies are based on real, real people. Life. Sure. So you have to know that it's there, but to, you know, I've seen, you know, very vicious fights or whatnot, but not anything, mm-hmm. you know, gunshot here but then again you can walk down the street in california well, yeah. in new york and that happens too so yeah. i don't think that it just pigeonholed for the mob i think in general but it's a pretty I'm pretty on those words. i'm like okay <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty stressful kind of uh environment way to grow up especially when you become aware of what's going on i mean like just as a, as a daughter i mean your, your daddy could get you know, shot yeah. or something you know yeah, i'm glad that world's gone yeah i'm done am. with that i mean you know, my father's, he's old, he's 73 now. Yeah. He just came home recently after like 14 years. So he... He was in jail for 14 years? Uh, three, 11 and a half, and then another two and a half. All in a row? Uh, the, the 11 and a half, yes. And then he came home for three months and then went back. Wow. And what was that for? Um, Extortion? Uh, um, you would know better than I'm me. I'm just looking. Yeah, you probably okay. have... I, you know He's what? probably got a list of things that you can't You know what? I... I just all count it to, yeah. they call it OC, organized crime. That That's gotcha. for me, that's enough. I don't need to know. Now, now you keep saying that you're out of it. Uh, you're not involved, even though you're still on the show as a mob wife, but I know you were divorced from your mm. mobster. So now that kind of world is over for you? For me personally, there's mm. much more than that world. Gotcha. So I wanted to, you know, experience life, you know, outside of... You know the the underworld, so to yes. speak. Well, yeah, and especially now that you get a taste of of kind of you know Hollywood and, and being in, in front of the camera and all this kind of cool things. I'm sure that's fun for you to be involved in that way. Um, sometimes it is. Like yeah. I said, this year was really hard for me. You know, right. I grew up around a lot of people that were famous though, because mm-hmm. they were all friends of my dad's. Like we ran into James Con the other night, and that's a dear friend of my uncle's who lives out here. So it was it was funny to see men playing the men that were in my life. That to me was amazing how like Robert De Niro would do this character of a wise guy and he would nail it. Like as if he was one. You actually had seen those type of guys. Yeah. Like yeah. that was, you know, a lot of them have passed, but you know, my my um, uncle where I had my um, communion, uh-huh. you know, Uncle Mike, it was just amazing to see actors portray these men. And be so dead on. Yeah. Like, that's fascinating to me. You know, it's funny, too. Even a guy like James Caan, it's like he he plays it so you would almost think, okay, he probably was in the mafia. Like, he's so good. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, Robert De Niro, James they're so good. Yeah. Al Pacino, they're so good yeah. that it's almost like you, you really wow. aren't who you say you are. And that's almost like your life, like yeah, you said. Yeah, it is. It, it, it was for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it was up until my ex-husband cooperated with the government against my dad, um, my uncle and my best friend's husband, that I realized that that was not where I wanted to be anymore. Wow. 
Yeah. Now, how was I mean? Let's talk about your husband. Is Hector Pagan Jr. He was a hitman for the Bonanano crime family. She's actually Bonanno. Bonanno. Sorry, <laughs> I'm Canadian. Sorry. Ex ex husband. Ex ex far away ex husband. Barely known, but at one point you had uh, you know some kind of a relationship yes. with this guy who was a hitman. How, Is that what they said? That's what they said. According that, under in my opinion, according okay. to what I heard, right? He was a, a hitman. I mean, how? Uh, or, or if you know, he was a he was a bad dude. How how was that to kind of be involved on that side of it? He's a horrible person, actually. Yeah. yeah okay. Um, I never knew. I, I listen. I know that he's not a. He wasn't. Well, he's a punk now because he's a rat. But right. I knew he wasn't like a soft guy. He was a tough guy, mm-hmm. and I I've seen him. You know in action before um but i never knew about anybody being killed Mm -hmm, or anything mm -hmm. so it wasn't until uh he cooperated that i knew and it was almost sometimes you know things but you don't know and you don't question it Mm -hmm. and i struggled with that for a really long time we separated we were married from when i was like 21 until i was 30 and then i left uh, for domestic violence. Mm-hmm. And then he had gone to jail for like seven years then. But you start to question, well, why did that guy, this happened, that happened. And from I, I'm a very strong believer in God, so mm-hmm. it was almost like a struggle because right. I don't believe that that's right, but it's also not mine. Mm-hmm. It's his, and he has to you know, deal with God. Mm-hmm. I just loved him so much when I was younger, and I didn't know any better. And then being a um, domestic violence survivor and also the mental abuse, I stayed for so long and would never question anything because I was actually afraid of him. Mm-hmm. And uh, when he cooperated, it was almost as horrible as it sounds, and my father gets mad when I say this, but I'm more upset what he did to his child than what he did to my dad mm-hmm. because the selfishness that comes in, mm-hmm. if this is what you do for a living, so to speak, that's your job. Now you got to take the bad with the good because, you know, right. the good with the bad, you did it. Yeah. But to tell on people to get yourself out of trouble that they weren't even involved in, like he told- So what exactly did he do? Um, from what I understand, he uh, was involved. Uh, a, a poor man was murdered, mm-hmm. and um, he got caught. And he didn't want to go to jail for the thirty-three plus years, so he wore a wire, and he told on people. He he basically set them up, mm. and which is the worst kind of rat in the world because you know some people go a rat's a rat, but mm-hmm. you go to jail and then you, you find out this guy's telling on you or whatever, and that's how they usually end up flipping. Yeah. But he uh, he just cooperated with them. He wore a wire and a watch. And just recorded people's phone conversations and came into my, I mean, personal conversation, came into my home where my parents were. My father had just come home after 11 and a half years. And um, he just, I, I can't even understand how somebody could do that. He had no parents. My parents, he was with me for 25 years, so my parents were his parents. And he just destroyed all family because he did something that he should pay the price mm-hmm. for. Nobody else should pay the price for what he did. So he, were you still married with to him at the time? I actually divorced him uh, about six years ago, but we got back together. Mm. But I also found out that he only came back <laughs> to me to uh, wow. try and trap my father. So It's horrible, yeah. Yeah, horrible forgive stuff. me. No, yeah, it was, sorry, it's man. just very disturbing, especially I love this man. Yeah. But I, I think I was in – I don't think I loved him. I think I was just – browbeaten and that's all I knew you know and then he was also no one's ever going to want you no one's ever going to want this family so I just was which in is this, mental abuse yes yeah which was horrible mental abuse but like I said it destroys me what he did to my family but what he did to our son mm-hmm. th- there's no forgiving because the, your son was dragged down as well or my son is uh, going to be 20 years old yeah uh-huh. he was 17 you grow up and your father's this well respected guy in the street and then all of a sudden this tough guy is a tattletale, mm-hmm. and now your life is in danger. Like I had to move my house. Your whole family because of him? Uh, no, me. You. No, no, no. He he's uh, has threatened. Gotcha. For my life and everything. So 
Uh, my house was broken into. You know, it was destroyed on the inside. It was robbed. And I know that was because of his cooperation. Mm-hmm. So my son, we didn't move far. I mean, we, we still live in Staten Island. I don't run, but I knew it wasn't a safe home anymore yeah. because it was once violated. So my son and I have basically moved and started over uh, in a new home. For safety reasons, mm-hmm. but it's a it's horrible for and he's he's a man, my son. Sure, like you know, this is your dad. For yeah. me, for a girl, I I think it's somewhat different because daddy's daddy. Right. But as a man, you have to go back out in the street, and now you have to earn your respect triple time because your father is no good. Wow, right? Yeah. Right. Luckily, my son is such a well-rounded gentleman. He's such a good kid. I'm so blessed to have mm. him. Um, that he didn't receive that much backlash. You know, there yeah, are people yeah, that I'm turn, sure. they turn their face from me now. I'm sure. And I have nothing to do with my ex-husband. They'll turn their face on me. And um, I'm quick to call them names too, though. Because like, <laughs> to me, it's like, how are you going to blame me for something? For something did? that happened, right. Like, yeah. you're, you're, you're no good. We're talking about the dangerous world, the dangerous and the amazing, interesting life of Rene Graziano. We'll be right back with more Talk is Jericho right after this. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love, all at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. That's what the FBI could never understand. That what Paulie and the organization does is offer protection for people who can't go to the cops. That's it. That's all it is. They're like the police department for wise guys. Welcome back to Talk is Jericho. Rene Graziano is here. Mob Wives extraordinaire. Telling us some amazing stories. Uh, just so I can tell, just so I can kind of get it in my head. When, when someone wears a wire, you said a wire and a watch. So is it like, you know, I keep saying I feel like such a dummy, but just like in the movies where no, they put okay. the wire around a band, uh, around no, a they tape. Put, they put a little device inside your watch. Oh. And they can record everything. Wow. Everything. They could be anywhere. It's the scariest thing in the world. I was, growing up, I was like, oh, F the government, this, that. Because you, you grow up in this world <laughs> yeah, where, yeah. you know, they're bad guys. They, they're yeah. the bad yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah, right. They're the bad guys. Mm-hmm. And then I realized, okay, one, this is their job. So I can't really hate on them for their job. But then I started to think, they have... Um, every resource under the sun to take your life apart. Mm-hmm. And I think the government's doing a wonderful job. <laughs> not not if they lock up my phone, but I have nothing bad to say about them because they, they can take you down in seconds. So did the information that Hector uh, gained from his wire and watch, your father was convicted for for that information? My father, my uncle, my best friend's husband, and three, wow. other, three other men. And there's two other men now that he's testifying against. So this is happening now? His second, my, yeah. Well, the men that were, he told on, they all did their time and came home. And now there's two more men that... Um, He's telling them. So what happens to him? Is he like, is it like you have witness protection program or something or? Well, it's almost a free ride. You go to jail for a few years uh-huh. and because you tell, you don't have your sentence anymore. That's the problem I do have with the government Yeah, is that's not right. Well, on that side of the coin, but what about from the family side of the coin? It seems like he'd be public enemy number one and he'd have to go hide himself or else they're going to get. Uh, he, he should go hide and he should yeah. never show his face again as far as I'm concerned. I, well, yeah, I mean. I have no, no love, no respect, nothing. Of course, it just seems, you know, if you you are a rat at that level with the watch and the wire. You better not be I showing his face. He did it to me. He gave me. He gave you one. He gave me a Rolex, and I. It, I thought it was like his peace gift, and Whoa. oh, and it was the watch I wanted. And he came home, and he's like, "Here." I'm like, "Oh, I'm so excited! I was wearing it." And when, yeah, oh, I smashed that watch. Oh, there were crazy. How did you find out? Because the, the watch was broken, and I took it. I took. I broke it, and I took all the pieces, and there was a device in it. You broke it because you thought there might be a device in it, or you just broke it? Oh you no, were mad I broke it, and I wanted. I, I didn't even care about the watch of it. I, and on top of it, it wasn't even real. <laughs> now I was so mad. That son I, of I, a I bitch! Can't even hock the watch now. Wow. 
Not only was it was it wired, it wasn't even real. No, it wasn't. That's even worse. I, yeah, that's some low stuff there. But, uh, yeah. you know, it's it, like you said, this is stuff that you can use. And now on the show, on Mob Wives, I'm sure you have a different perspective with all these other girls. It's a very interesting show to watch because, like I said, we've never seen this side of things. But this is just a daily thing for you. You're mentioning how... Well, my father was in jail. I'm not even sure which one it was. He did 19 months here and 11 months here, and this guy's in jail for three months. Is that just a, an average thing? People just go away for a couple years in the family, and you just wait for them till they get out? Yeah, I think I spent. I said I think because of the government, I've seen like 36 states now, like from traveling for visits and for, stuff. For, for visits to prisons. For, to prisons. Oh God, <laughs> nobody's traveled to more prisons than me and wrote more letters. And wow. I, at one point, I had 10 people away. That were that best friends and like all, all of the guys that I grew up with, uh-huh. um, they're all in jail. They're all wow. in jail. There's maybe there was like a good solid ten men that I like the the, the group, uh-huh. and I think there's probably seven in jail. Wow. Yep. And so you go being the go good visit. mob, mob uh, wife, good friend, you yeah, go visit them. Absolutely. I, my father was in North Carolina in Butner, and we used to get in the car 12 hours there, 12 hours back. <laughs> and it was like nothing. That's why I said my friend, people talk to me, and I'm like, well, that's normal. They're like, no, that's not normal. <laughs> I'm like, okay, but there are so many other people that are in prison. So it's it's part of this world. You yes. Know, it, you know, one thing it doesn't happen without the other. So it makes the world go around. It's the world you live in. Yeah, it is. It's the world we all live in. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and you know hopefully not many families have to experience what I did but I experienced it for a reason I've come to terms with my life mm-hmm. and I actually it's I know it sounds crazy it's almost a blessing because there is somebody else out there that suffers from my whether it be depression their family going to jail or abuse and and addiction I'm a recovering addict so I can talk to mm-hmm. people and that for me is such a reward Absolutely, yeah. You know, You're in that position now where people can almost look up to you. It's crazy as that you know, sounds. Right? I mean, I- <laughs> it's crazy as that sounds, but you know what? It's it's really um, it's a tremendous relief that I can give back now. What you mentioned that you had depression, that you had a, a prescription drug mm-hmm. issue, addiction, mm-hmm. and that was covered on the show. Yep. How how first of all, how is it? First of all, uh, being you know on reality TV where the cameras following you everywhere for the good and the bad. Is it interesting? Like, is it hard to get used to the invasion of your privacy constantly? It didn't bother me at all. I'm yeah. a very open person. I talk about everything, so right. I don't have secrets because I feel eventually they're going to come out. So I I always say I keep my skeletons well dressed and my <laughs> closet doors open. That's right. Um, you know, there were certain times that it. It became an invasion of privacy, or uh, things that were very sore subjects. Um, back in season one, um, one of the girls that was on the show, her name Carla, her boyfriend at the time inappropriately put his hands on me, which um, sparked. It brought back my attack. Oh, okay, right. And she kept saying, "Oh, that didn't happen. He would never touch you." Da 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 da. And then she would attack. I had a lot of issues. Uh, with my physical self. I didn't like the way I looked. I mm-hmm. never thought I was pretty enough. And I struggled for many, many years. So for her to attack that, then it sparked something else. Right. So that's when I actually, you know, we had a physical altercation because you, it just, that for me was like too much. Mm-hmm. You know, here I am pulling a girl, dragging it through my house by a hair and that's not sexy. And it's on camera. And it's on camera. And I'm like, I'm never getting a date after this for <laughs> sure. Damn it. Yeah. But, um, that stuff isn't cool. You know what I mean? Uh, us fighting over the things that we do is sometimes for me I figured it's humiliating yeah like this year I've relapsed publicly oh you have Pub- on-, on camera on camera start to finish see so how is how is that for you that was horrible and actually seeing it back do you watch it back that uh, yes but this is also a big reason um, I needed that to happen for mm-hmm. myself. I uh, went away last year. I, I got went away to rehab. To rehab. I was good. My son and I discussed all our issues. I came home. I was doing really well. Um, you know, and it was it was a Xanax issue. For, mm-hmm. for you know, I have very bad anxiety. So I came home. I thought I was fine. I was like, I can have a drink. You know, and it and honestly, I never had a problem with alcohol. I never liked alcohol. And I started to drink, and then I got on the plane to go to Vegas, and I was like, mm, you know what? I could take that Xanax to fly, because I don't like to fly. 
but it wasn't one Xanax. I had to take two. Mm. And then I drank the Tito vodka, and then I get off the plane, and then it's wide open and exposed. Right. And it was, I was done. Like the Xanax kind of blacks me out. And Mm -hmm. watching that back. Because you didn't remember it. No, and then I, I put a girl in a chokehold. I must have thought I was wrestling. <laughs> and and it was horrible. It to watch that, it was like, Oh my God, mm-hmm. did I oh my God, how how humiliating. People that respect me and know me just saw yeah. me fall on my face and it was ugly. It what, was so ugly. What did your son think? My son loves me to death, yeah. and although he was not proud, he also didn't like what the girl did to me, and uh-huh. he just wished I could put her in a bed of chokehold. <laughs> uh, no, my, then she she antagonized me for about an hour and a half. Hmm. Because and, she knew who you were? No, she's part of the show. Oh, gotcha, she, I gotcha. She, she just thought she was slick, plain and simple. She gotcha. just thought that I would never do it. There's... Don't mm-hmm. push me, mm-hmm. you know, and at that she said something and I just blacked out and that was it. And it turned into this really ugly fight. My son was very disappointed. Mm-hmm. He was disappointed. The relapse, not so much for the fight, for the relapse. Relapse, right. Because he was like, you're defending yourself, uh-huh. you know, but your relapse was, you know, a little humiliating. Mm-hmm. And it, it was, it was, it was a great punishment. Mm-hmm. It was a great punishment and I can wear it today, mm-hmm. you know, and I said that had to happen. For not just me, but for so many people to see what they look like when they're yeah. out of character. And it's ugly. I can see that, you know, because a lot of times you go drinking, you act like an idiot or something like, oh, I was so stupid. But to actually see it back on, on camera, that's something that's probably going to, you know, scare you into into, into being sober. To, yeah, to get right. And it's like I said, it's a struggle because then you have to deal with the guilt of what you did. Yeah. So it's it's hard you know, it's when you when you see it publicly and everybody else and mm-hmm. you walk in a room and people start to whisper. Wow. And it's almost like. Ugh. Yeah, because you're putting your whole life on display. Yeah. Here it is. Yeah. You know, for, for ratings. Watch me. I, I, and, you know, I didn't I've never done anything for camera or for ratings. I I'm just me. Mm-hmm. And that's enough. That's it. Yeah, it definitely <laughs> is. So were you able to, to get back on the wagon again? Did you have to go back to uh, rehab or, or was it just a one-time no, thing? No, I didn't go back to rehab. I have been taking it very slow and steady. And some days Good. are worse than others. But for the most part, I'm getting there. Right. Well, And, and you're getting there. And, and it seems as well you really are branching out on all the things that you're doing. I mean, there, you know, you've gone from just a small mob wife to now yep. <laughs> four seasons of mob wives on, on VHS, uh, VH1. I'm yep. sure there's going to be there's a, a season fi- five. five season five, yes. but you've launched yourself as a brand, yeah. which is what you have to do in this day and age. Yeah. I'm proud of myself too. I, I love the title of this cookbook, how to use a meat cleaver <laughs> <laughs> secrets and recipes from a mob family's kitchen. Are these your recipes? These are, these are family recipes, family recipes or? from my grandmother and my dad and my mom. And the book was a way for me and my sisters to pay tribute to my parents uh-huh. for, for giving them hell. Right. And it was just my, my dad and my mother and father, even while he was in prison, have always taken care of his daughters. Mm-hmm. So it's time that we did something to, to give back to him. And um, they're, they're so proud. You know what I mean? They're like... <laughs> Okay, the title is a little, it's tongue-in-cheek. They get it. Sure. But, you know, my father's like, you came a long way, Renee, you know? And he's actually out here with me. Oh, is he? Yeah, yeah, he's so now awesome. that he Now that he's uh, out of prison, he came out to uh, Yes, this is, he's allowed one vacation. Wow. And yes. it's, it's, you know, we just wanted him to have a little bit of our life. But isn't kind of like the, with Italians and, the, and, the, and, you know, recipes and stuff, isn't it always about the sauce? Isn't like the sauce the most important thing? Absolutely. And we, my sister, I don't say gravy, I say sauce, but she mm. makes like a Sunday gravy and the recipes in the book. It's the time where everybody can come together. Yeah. Whether you're fighting or not, you leave everything at the door, you sit down, you break bread, and it's the most, I think that's in a lot of, not just Italian families, but in, in a lot of cultures when you just sit together yeah, really, and just yeah. really talk. And I think dinner, you know, of course, every meal is important, but like dinner is the most important. Yeah. I, I feel for Sunday family. dinner, right? Yeah. Just for families to come together. So who's got the best sauce out of the uh, out of the families? Is, is yours the best? Graziano's the best? Uh, my sister, Lana, definitely makes the best, but we also have our own food line coming out, too. And we- that, that would be something cool, like have like a mob sauce contest, like the Gaudis show up and the... <laughs> The, the bun, but, now but uh, yeah, up. I don't think we could put all of those different families <laughs> yeah. in a room. 
Everyone shows up and you leave your guns at the door and see who has the best sauce. And that way you can you don't have to you don't have to resort to violence to win. Okay, that's an awesome idea. We could do this. We're going to. We do can make this. it. You, call VH1 right now. Um, we'll get a special. We, I'm going to my sisters out here with me. I'm going to say executive producer Jennifer Graziano, please. Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, yeah for sure. Give me yeah. a little co-credit on there, and we'll you we'll got it. You got it. <laughs> you also got your uh, clothing line, Mob Candy, which is clothes and accessories, which I'm sure is. I see what you're wearing right now is amazing. This very Thank cool you. kind of leopard print. Yes. Is that yeah. one of yours? No, actually, oh, okay. this isn't. This isn't. But it's dresses, and I'm launching my swimwear next month. Wow. And I just added sunglasses and Bath and Body products, and that's great. It's amazing all the stuff you can do when you have a hit TV show and when you're focused. See, this is a different way to to have a hit. That's exactly you know, <laughs> yes. Hit now means a different thing to you. Yes. You got to put a hit out. Now you actually have a hit. Yeah, yes, and it's expanding. <laughs> wonderful, and I'm I'm the reception from people are just. It's it's so great. No, it's, absolutely. Yeah. See, do do people like? Do you get a lot of people coming up to you on the street and saying they recognize you from the show and they, you know, love your character and all that sort of thing? I was just in the Bahamas mm-hmm. um, a couple weeks ago, and I can't tell you the whole hotel. Everybody from the island, they all knew, and it was everywhere I went, and mm-hmm. they're so warm and. You know how how grateful they are that I expose things about my own life so they can deal with theirs. And it's just really wonderful. I, right. I'm, I'm so blessed. I truly am. Yeah. Is, is it is it all over the country or do you see is your oh, biggest fan base in New York or just everywhere? Um, down south, I have a huge fan base. It's everywhere I go. Yeah. I mean, it, like I was in the Bahamas and right. it was happening. You know, it's everywhere I go, and you know, some people are almost afraid to approach me, I guess, mm-hmm. because of the way they see me. Like last night I had dinner with um, Maite from the Hollywood Exes. Mm-hmm. And she thought I was going to be so much more, such a hard person. As yeah. She was like, wow, you're so different. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I know. And I'm small and I'm pretty. And the front TV <laughs> makes you like this big bad wolf. Yeah. I was like, nah, I'm not that girl. Yeah, well, that's the thing, too. And, and, and you're also, not that you're, it's not real, but you do, you're do. you playing a, a character on the TV. Well, you know, they're that's also what you do. pressing my buttons right, on TV. Right, to get you to go to a certain exactly. direction. So you're not going to be screaming and yelling and putting people in chokeholds just walking down the street. No. Unless they deserve it. That's right. You also wrote a book, Playing With Fire. That's an erotic. Thriller. So this is not a memoir. It's, a, it's actually like a Jackie Collins type book that you wrote. Yes, and it's loosely based on my life. So wow. It's, it's very sexy. It's, um, it's, it's hot. Oh, that's great. <laughs> it's got the perfect title and it's, you know, every and I hate to say it, but everybody loves sex. And, sure. you know, there's a lot of women that can't live out these, these lives and mm-hmm. it's, it's. What made you decide to do that? Have you always read those type of books? I, I, I've been writing for years. And mm-hmm. then when I had gone back into therapy, my therapist was like, okay, dating is not an option for you because <laughs> you shouldn't date and you're going to get attached. And you, I don't have a hold of my life yet. She's like, turn this around, write it down. And I took what I had wrote for years uh, her character, the character is uh, her name is Rain Supreme, and <laughs> nice. yes, Rain Supreme Grazzi. You can't even get closer <laughs> to Graziano. And then I just incorporated with a lot of sex and fantasy, and just you know, sex, money, murder. It's about every and fashion. Of so course, I, I put it all together. Everything. <laughs> it's all what you like to write about. Yes, it's very perfect. It's so great to have you on the show today, Thank Renee, you. and we look forward to seeing you. Hopefully on Mob Wives Season 5. Plus, you got your cookbook, How to Use a Meat Cleaver, Secrets and Recipes from a Mob Family's Kitchen, talking about the best sauce in the business, hopefully. Mob Candy is Renee's clothing line and playing with fire. Yes. Thank you so much for being here today. You're welcome. Thank you. I would tell anybody outside the family what you're thinking again. I want to thank Renee Graziano for being on the show. She's back for Season 5 of Mob Wives on VH1. New season premieres Wednesday, December 3rd at 9 p.m., and her husband, Hector Jr. Pagan, who ratted out everyone, was sentenced to 11 years in prison since I originally talked to Renee. And it's because he rolled on everyone that he got such a light sentence. He was a rat. He ratted on everybody. And, you know, I don't know much about the jail life, but I know if you're a rat and that gets out, it's not good. So uh, uh, good for Renee, though, for surviving that. Man, a lot of cool stories she told. She seems like a real tough chick. I would not want to cross her, right? Listen. 
I want to make her happy. Go get Renee's cookbook, How to Use a Meat Cleaver, and you know the best place to get it, Amazon. Using the Talk is Jericho links, and I know you know how to find them. You go to podcastone.com. You click on the Keep Our Podcast free banner at the top of the page. Then you click on Talk is Jericho. You see all three of my Amazon links, Amazon UK, Amazon USA, Amazon Canada. A, every time you do that, Amazon kicks back a little cash to the show. So we keep doing this for you for free for twice a week. No extra fees or hidden shadows. If you're just getting your shopping done, you're helping me out in the process. you got to buy presents. Do it through my link. The easiest way to support me, support the show. Hope you had a great time. I want you to stay hard, stay hungry. Peace, love, and hugs. That's another great edition of Talk is Jericho. We'll see you next week. But in the meantime and in between time, I want to say, yeah, boy. And I want to tell you next Wednesday. The new ACDC record, Rock or Bust, comes out on Tuesday and on Wednesday. we got the former ACDC drummer, Chris Slade, is here. He might even be the future ACDC drummer with all the stuff that's going on with Phil Rudd, their current drummer. And Chris has amazing stories. He's the bald guy that was in Thunderstruck. He's the bald guy that played in Donington. He was with ACDC for five years. You're going to hear about how he auditioned with the band, how he got into the band, touring with the biggest band in the world, and plus the day he got a call from David Gilmour and a couple uh, hours later from Jimmy Page, both to join their solo bands. What a day that was. Yeah, I got a call from Gilmore and Page. They want me to join my band. So many great rock and roll stories from Chris Slade. So many great uh, rock and roll stories from Chris Jericho. We will see you next week right here on Talk is Jericho. Don't you dare miss it. I know it was you, Fredo. You broke my heart. You broke my heart. You can download new episodes of Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com. Leave the gun. Take the cannoli.